key issue. It's episode six, and I'm making a V with my arms and hands. Isaac, what are you doing? I am making a marching motion with my arms and hands. What is that character you're this holding? This is the thing of the swamp, did you call it? That's what I thing? said. This is actually one of mine from when I was a kid. This isn't my first one I had, but it's one of my two yard sale swamp things. And another very important thing, Rand. Yeah. I got my, my, my personal computer. I brought it back this time. Last episode, did not have my signature computer going on. So I'm feeling much better this time. A lot of people will know that we recently spoke with Sarah Frazetta, and that was a very special guest. Not to say that Ryan Buckley wasn't a special guest, but we have a celebrity here to help us tonight. Did you He's know that? He's even more special. He's a special, special He's guest. He's specialer. Don't show, don't cut to him yet oh, because no, no. this is really thrilling. Ready? A lot of people, we've gotten a lot of cards and letters. They're angry. They said, you did Turtles, you did Conan, that's Marvel. Then you did more Marvel, and then you did some Marvel. And then you talked about Frazetta, which was sort of all over the map. And a lot of people noted that we hadn't talked about DC. And so when we talked about doing the thing of the swamp, I have only recently begun collecting into the thing of the swamp. And I thought, who knows DC and can help us really hit the ground running? And I thought of one of the most famous people from Clinton, Ontario, Canada. It's Nug. It's Mike Nargang. Where are you, Nug, you rascal? I am in my uh, soundproof bunker in uh, my house in fabulous Markham, Ontario. <laughs> Some people dream and you live. It's true. You and I and Isaac are all from a town called Clinton, Ontario in Canada. That's weird that we're all from Clinton. <laughs> I know, it's so weird. <laughs> but you actually went on to do something where some of us became... Filmmakers. I would call it failures, but you decide. <laughs> uh, you actually have done real things. Yeah, I've done television and movies and musicals and radio and uh, voice work and uh, live improv all across Canada and on cruise ships all over the place. I've done a lot of things. You know, I think my favorite Nug moment was when I was in the audience and he was part of a thing of spraying blood on everybody. Um, ah, yes. Evil Dead, the Evil musical. Dead, the musical. Uh, that was a bananas time. We did it in 2004 just for laughs for like eight weeks uh we actually stayed past uh, the run of just for laughs for longer because the the french just loved it in montreal and uh and then we came back it went to broadway without us and then when it came back we a bunch of us ended up back in it and it became bigger and bloodier and it's still i think if you google it it's probably still running somewhere right now what i like about you are two things just just two just two. Just right. two things, and I'll name them. I'm going to add another one. I, I don't know if he, he's, he may not want to cop to this. We may have to cut this out. Everybody, I'm looking at the editors. I remember you being a little kid that was told that you were in some way like another kid that had gone through the school. I remember being of a certain age, and someone saying to me, there's a, there's a little kid in the school, and he's like you. P.S. I am so sorry if that's true. And if it's not true, I am so sorry that I said it out loud, and we'll cut it. Uh, no, it's true. Is it? uh, so much so that I think when you came through, you were going through th uh, film at York. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you had decided to become a teacher yet or not. Uh, you came to the public school in Clinton to teach a group of kids how to use a video camera. <laughs> and I was one of those kids. It's So we should cut to me right now. Cut to an actual <laughs> cinematographer. <laughs> yeah, now the thing is, I think what what someone said it was a, a a fellow Clintonian said to me today. I said, I think I think I remember that you got ascribed that young, but really what it was was we were chubby, needy kids who only knew things about pop culture. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, pop culture, comic books, yeah. uh, comedy, weird British comedy, yeah, uh, cartoons, any sort of anything that wasn't the real world. That was our domain. And being from a small town, such a small town, you wanted, speculating, so hard to be able to get access to things you couldn't get, like look Isaac and all, like me. Look at us all nodding. nodding. <laughs> the drive. Before, before we moved to Clinton, I was in uh, I was in Milverton, which is, well, Clinton's oh. what, 3,000 people, it yeah. says on the sign, which yeah. is generous. Uh, before that, I was in Milverton, which was maybe 1,200. And before that, I was in Newton, which I think has four houses whose uh, porch lights light up the intersection. Um, but everywhere where I tried to get that comic book stuff, that, yeah. that pop culture thing that I wanted so bad, we did never got 
either the most recent thing was never there mm -hmm. or it was the leftovers that wouldn't sell from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I got all the weird comic books of D level down uh, of DC comics or Marvel comics that were just not moving. And so yeah. those were my guys. Like I had seen super friends with Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and blah, 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 blah. But who, who was Red Tornado? Who was Swamp Thing? Who were the Legion of Superheroes? Those were my guys. That's why you're here. Man. So a guy that I know that worked at DC and is now working in Jeff John's company, he's working in development there. He told me his favorite character, I believe, is Firestar. Okay. And I always thought of you because you were the guy that loved Red Tornado. Yeah, I and, love him. And the characters that are the most sort of side or or let's call them they're they're not DC's core. They're not the Trinity. They're not the power brokers of DC. They do have a very fervent fan base. We'll call it a fan base, but they also have interesting stories and that's why I thought Swamp Thing was perfect for you to talk about. I don't know if you're a Swamp Thing collector, but what I thought was you could help us talk about this you know, it was a popular character, but it's one of these pantheon of strange DC twisty alleys, isn't it? They have a long history with not only Swamp Thing uh, being a success and then trying to move that success to other places. But when Swamp Thing seems to go away, they bring him back. When he seems, oh, he's gone, long mm. gone and dead and buried, he's back again. And they push him to the forefront as often as possible. He's supporting cast in all their cartoons. They've tried uh, two different television series and a bunch of movies. So he's crazy. just always there. It's surprising, too, because it's, as we'll find out in minutes, it's not something you would think you'd say, hey, let's get this to kids as soon as possible. <laughs> no, and there was a kids cartoon. Oh, we're getting into that. So oh, we're getting into that. Well, why don't we Which start there? Bananas. Well, you, you sure. want to start there? Yeah, let's start, let's start there. there. We know what because it happens. I was actually just I just was going through our list of of issues we're going to talk about, and we actually end before the cartoon comes out, which mm -hmm. is in the '90s, mm -hmm. um, very very early '90s. And you know, it's 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 funny that you say, Rand, that it's surprising that they went with this non obvious kids thing but that was the thing that they were doing at the in the early 90s because of primarily because of brands like turtles being so successful um and i, I was going to pull out a quote um it's something that we hear you hear when we're doing documentaries about to uh, toys in general is uh, the word toyetic toyetic is a term that was that was actually coined by bernie loomis at kenner toys um when this is actually funny this is bernie loomis was talking to steven spielberg about why making Close Encounters of the Third Kind toys, did I say Close Encounters? That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, was a bad idea. And it's like, well, yeah, it would be bad. So he says it's not toyetic. So things like Swamp Thing, to me, are obvious, obviously toyetic. But but Swamp Thing in particular, al alongside um, uh, Toxic Crusaders or Toxic Avengers, depending on which one you're looking at, uh, those both represent something, as you're saying, or you're pointing out, it isn't really obviously for kids. I mean, the, the Toxic Avengers movies are, are or Toxic Crusaders movies. Was it, which, I can't remember sometimes which one's the movie, which one's the cartoon. That's bad. Like, that should not have been made for anything made for kids. But the toy line was phenomenal. Uh, and Swamp Thing, same, same, kind of, same kind of thing. And they did pull right from the comics uh, for the cartoon. I mean, they have very similar. I mean, they, they obviously have to create those toyetic properties, which is why that I brought that word out. Because... Swamp Thing, they gave him, you know, some some kind of sidekick characters for the show and the toys so that you have a team, which is very important. But the fact that Swamp Thing can turn into different parts of the swamp makes it so you can sell many different Swamp Thing characters as toys. So you can go the one main character you can buy like seven times. And this one in particular, he looks like a cactus. So he's like, I'm in cactus mode with my arms doing this. But then he can also look like a tree or vines or something else because he was turning into different elements of plants. I think, correct me, Nug, is that not really something that came from Alan Moore's run? That oh, yes, where he could become, all, he was like the the leafy plastic man. He could become a yeah. plant version of whatever you wanted in that mm -hmm. cartoon for sure. But in the in the Alan Moore run, he was everywhere becoming everything, controlling everything, becoming mm -hmm. one with nature. I, that's where, um, well, let's start. Let's go all the way back. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was actually, that sounded real to me. 
It did. It sounded <laughs> like that was added in you, post. You can do reverse audio, though. I you can I, do it. I maybe should. Yeah. Um, what I'll do is I'll just give us a little background. Mm. And it's it starts with Len Wine. It does. And um, we maybe will put a little supplemental episode from an interview we did with Len. Len, I'm a great fan of his work because he's part of the group that created Wolverine. So... Len is important to me for a number of reasons. Len helped re restart or reset the X-Men in 75. But what's interesting about Len is something that links to me. And again, you want maybe you want to cut to the three here because I think Nug will have something to say about this. If I said that I feel like Len Wine and Marv Wolfman, who kind of are sort of a team in a sense, although they split up for a while, when they came into comics, they were sort of the first of that new wave. So if you look at a movie like Easy Rider and you say it's young Hollywood, there's a young comics drive. You have people coming into comics where the old guys are still there, you know, the uh, Stan Lee era characters. They're being challenged by these young guys coming in in the late 60s, early 70s. And Roy Thomas could be part of that. And you could say later Jerry Conway. But people like Len Wein are these young guys coming in who are comics literate. They toured DC. They knew a lot about comics. And they approached them in a way that the old guys hadn't. Are you cognizant of that? Or do you get that sense? I do. I always thought that uh, Kirby and Stan Lee, those were the guys that made comic books what they are. But while they were doing that, there was this generation of people who were learning comic books and not just what they are but what they could be those comic books inspired them to come up with different ideas and push the genre even further so i see that with uh len wine coming up with these crazy ideas borrowing from horror borrowing a lot of mm -hmm. mutation stuff all of that stuff is really out there and maybe uh, late 60s, early 70s with uh, a lot of uh, nuclear war stuff. They were all concerned about what effects radiation and mutation would have on everybody. And there's so many mutant or mutated characters that came out during that time. Something that, about Len that I liked, and I don't know if this came from our interview. Like, I don't know if we talked about it because we were very focused on one thing. But uh, I read this beautiful interview. You can find it online. It's from Comics Journal in 1979. I just want to read something that he said. He said, my art descriptions would run half a page for a single panel, describing scenes to the artist in the tightest possible detail. He wanted to be an artist at the start. He didn't intend to be a writer, but a lot of the young artists that would come in would go to his scripts because they were so teachable for an artist. He was so detailed. So what you see in his work is a real flow from panel to panel. He was comic book literate. And it's, it's like you said, Nug, he learned from the masters but he never thought, I think my take on it is that group that comes in, and there's a bunch of them, they didn't see it as a kid's medium. They, I think by then, Stan Lee was touring colleges and a lot of kids had gravitated to a lot of the comic titles. Marvel was cooler than DC for a while there. And I think DC wanted to go in that direction. And that's why you see Neil Adams really blowing stuff out. And you see Len Wein coming in with Marv Wolfman and this idea that Swamp Thing comes from this new wave is cool. And you're right. This idea of horror, if I'm not mistaken, they came from Gold Key and Charlton as well. And they had done some creepy stuff over there. But they were really influenced by EC Comics and wanted to implement that into DC. So. I mean, look at that House of, House of Secrets cover is so EC. Let's put it up. Yeah, here it is. It's up on... Uh on my cover price here right now, Nick. So Nug, we work with a group called, uh, a website called Cover Price, the team there. They help us talk about the prices. We are trying to explain why people would collect things that we think they should collect. They can decide if they want to or not. But this one is obviously collectible because it's so valuable. And I love that the the the, the DC um, logo in the top left there, the House of Secrets, like the, the bat wrapped around it. It's That's awesome. actually rad. There's a little touch. Uh, 15 cent cover price. That's a good, uh, that means it's old. Um, and then look at this amazing uh, rights and cover. That's very easy, very easy inspired. A typical seven, if you wanted a graded copy of that, is about 1400 bucks, 1320. The, the, the highest known value on this blew my mind. At uh, 9.8, March 1st, 2018, sold for $44,999. <laughs> 
it's incredible. So, I mean, yeah, when you look down the list here, this is actually, there's a lot of data on, on cover price on this, this specific, specific key issue. And even at the lowest grade at 1.5 uh, recorded here, it's still $400. Um, so that's that's quite uh, quite an important book that one. It's a beautiful cover. It's been it's been homaged many times, made reference to many times. It's by Bernie Wrightson. And if you're going to talk about Len Wine and you're going to say that Len's part of this cool group that comes in, you have to put Bernie Wrightson in this cool group. He worked with uh, a bunch of other amazing artists. Um, I, I can't remember the name of their group. But if you look at someone like Mike Kaluta, you look at Barry Windsor Smith, that's that same group of people. And these artists come in with not just a sense of comics that have gone past, but some of the fringier underground comics and sort of pushed the art styles. So Bernie Wrightson comes in, and in this piece, this, this um, art that you see on the cover here, he's got a character that's new that he created with Len, the Swamp Thing. And the story that's in House of Secrets takes place in the Victorian era. It's not the modern Swamp Thing story that starts with Swamp Thing 1. It takes place in the Victorian era, and it's a classic capsule story. Have you read it, Nug? Yes, I have. I love that it's a Victorian piece, and it's very uh, old school, like a very really? old timey Victorian story, exactly. like, uh, uh, someone, a jilted lover, or I, I married your sweetheart and I'm going to take you out. You know, uh, that story is old and I love it. Uh, but I love that it's not Alec Holland, the, the swamp thing we know as yeah. Alec Holland, this isn't him. Yeah. And it's, it's Gothic, like, a like a Nathaniel Hawthorne or something like some classic old it's got a very old-timey feel, and there's something about Bernie's work that we know he was a big fan of Frank Frazetta, and you see that in the covers, Swamp Thing 1 to 10. Uh, 72 to, what is it, 76? I don't know if I wrote exactly what year 10 came out. 74. So in, in, in that few-year period, these covers are very beautiful, and they have a Frazetta feel, but the line work inside is so eerie, and the faces are gothic, and it, to me, it's very... It's all about lighting. He's yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, everything's light and shadows. It's it's a, it is very gothic, like you say. And it actually, I love that because it 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 harkens back to that that feeling around uh, that this gothic horror, gothic, you know, yeah, exactly, gothic horror that you want it to be cooler than than it ends up being, especially in in live action or film. But uh, I think in in comics, it's always had an opportunity to to be as cool and as dark as as it uh, as it deserves or as it feels like it could be right Nug, are you a batman guy <clears throat> i'm not a batman guy uh i uh i i i like the batman stories but i really like the brave and the bold when someone mm. else would pop in to visit mm. batman and have a little adventure with him so i always those were the guys that i wanted to see um what i like about the swamp thing stuff especially the house of secrets here like you said the bat logo in the top mm -hmm. corner it lets you know that this is dc because we're all about batman but also Every nothing is symmetrical. Nothing is a solid line. Everything's drippy and gory. And mm -hmm. even the Swamp Thing logo, when it gets used, is is a little drippy and gooey and uh, has kind of claw marks in it and such. And I love that because everything else at the time was so in a box and perfectly drawn and bright and colorful. And this is dark and weird and off. Let's and get tells you that you're not reading a regular thing. Let's look at the first page. Let's get House of Secrets page one, Nick, if you want to pull that up quick. And Rand, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe you can talk to this specifically. Does Because this is a DC title, does this bridge a gap between those kids who are reading horror comics or, well, or that, that kind of leftover from the 50s it, horror comics into, into, into more it's say, mainstream? The creators who are into the EC comics, who right. are into the horror comics, mm -hmm. are embedding it in. But the reason I mentioned Batman is because when Neil Adams comes into Batman, Batman got more gothic. Like, horror seemed to be really... They were the juvenile delinquents, you see? That's what happened. <laughs> I think maybe it's true. Frederick Wortham was right. The he innocent was right. were seduced. And they became comic artists. And I writers. think what, what you see happening is DC, well, Batman 66, it, 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 it would be easy to say that DC felt, how would you word it, Nug? Did it seem like goofy or they've been had a long run? A little run? campy. 
a campy. little campy, a little childish, bright colors. Everybody was in, you know, your primaries. Uh, but uh, this coming out right around then is different. Yeah. It's very different than what's on TV or what DC's known for. And I think it, that that horror influence went across other titles. That's what I say, like Batman changed and Joker changed and the way they drew Gotham changed and it just really became richer. Um, let's pull up that first page, Nick, the black and white first, if you would. So page one of Swamp Thing, it, it has, this is from the collected Bernie Wrights and so this is the pencil and ink and his brushwork is pretty interesting. But why I like this one specifically, you mentioned that the title seemed drippy and you mentioned that it had a kind of a, I don't know, you didn't say homespun, but it just had a different feel, less mannered. But what I like about it is look at Swamp Thing's face. Now give us the color one, Nick, next. This is when the color comes on. Look at the sad eyes. That's something that's very, to me, it felt very un-DC at the time. Someone might correct us. That happens all the time and we're good with that. But this character really has a, it's tragic. You can feel that Bernie's going to go ahead and do something Frankensteinian to me that the monster has a heart. Or do you remember the old Godzillas or you would see Gamera in the old Japanese monster movies? There was always a sadness to those creatures. And, and this is from panel two of that first page. I love that. Brutal. And let's jump. And it's so dark. It, like every other comic book and the DC TV at the time yes. with the Batman series and stuff, that it was so bright and colorful. And this is all purple, blue, black, yeah. green. It's very dark. Well, I love the purple and the green on that cover. That's pure, like uh, almost like a fun house, right? That, yes, that that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is it's very, it's very classic fun house horror. But the other thing, I mean, it's obvious that that Bernie's influence is, I mean, it's obviously Frank because there's that really, really brave use of blacks to navigate through the art. And that's like really, really good art does that really well. It's not easy to do. Like it's not easy to compose things in the shadows like that and be that kind of bold and brave really. And like you say, Nuggets, how different that is. And it jumps right out even with the color because color layers it in and kind of sometimes can push that away in, in black and white art. But I think that this really was, was obviously they were doing it so well in conjunction with the with the with the ink work and it's just phenomenal well let's what i think i like the best is that there's not any room for the color to come in no almost that black and white gives you such little space for color to pop in and the greens come in where you want swamp thing to be but then the rest of it it's all dark like honestly the brightest colored thing in any of that is swamp thing and he's a dark green (laughs) well it's actually and it's funny because this harkens back to something we were talking about in a previous issue or uh, episode issue episode episode or issue yeah yeah, uh uh ran when we were talking about uh, that turtles book where usually if an if an anchor is inking for something that's going to be colored, they usually leave a ton of space open. But but anchors like this, like Bernie, who are who are, you know, really refined artists, they they can actually push it like you know, we're not gonna leave stuff open, like Nug just said. It's like we're gonna leave it, this is where the blacks are, this is where mm-hmm. it gets dark. Um, and that's uh I mean that's that's powerful. It makes it, it makes for really great and interesting art to look at the book. Nick, can you give me the overhead for a minute? So I have here Creatures on the Loose. It's a Marvel comic, which I'm sorry to offend you with a Marvel comic nug. This is um, Bernie writes an interior art. But what I wanted to show you, something that we see in Bernie's work, he will sacrifice some of what you see in that Kirby style where the there's a boldness and things pop off the frame and he makes it sketchier and a little more disturbing. Look at the face on the Cull character there. He strips out some of the, what would be the descriptive aspect of it. And like Frazetta, he goes for more of the effect and the tonality of it. And I love a panel like that. And it is suggestive of horror. So when we get to this one, this is Swamp Thing 1. And yes, I bought it and it's in rough shape, but you get what you get. And when you go through it, there you go. You see that same style, this very etchy... You know, some of the faces sometimes are sacrificed yeah. for an effect or yeah, get lost. Lighting. Yeah, it's get it, lost in the lighting. It's there basically just really, really cinematic. I mean, really what it comes down to, it, it's horror lighting. Yeah. He's coming in and lighting it like a cinematographer would have shot uh, a horror movie. But <laughs> in a way, I guess what I was trying to get at earlier, it's he's he's able or artists like him are able to do it 
better to better effect in comics than you than you at the time was being done in film because when we think about the horror films at that time we don't think of them as scary or creepy or but this it holds up it's there so he's dutching the frame he's doing all the horror stuff like a cinematographer and everybody's horror movie literate i mean especially at that time and what do we know about this one, Isaac? If we buy Swamp Thing One, Swamp Thing One, mm-hmm. we are getting into here. We go, DC, August tenth to uh, nineteen seventy-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, raw comic value at fifty-five bucks. We're down a little bit, um, but uh, highest known grade at nine point eight at May 29th, two thousand nineteen is forty-one fifty-five. Not as high a value as uh, the House of Secrets one, but uh, yeah, it's an attainable number one. Um, in the lower grades, you you're, you can get one for under a hundred bucks if you're down if you're comfortable with buying one as low as a three, um, and sometimes a little bit higher than that, maybe four four point five. But yeah, it's uh it's ranging, you know, between a two hundred bucks to four hundred five hundred bucks at nine point two. So it's an attainable number one for sure. I paid uh, I think thirty for this, and I bought it because I wanted to do a documentary on Swamp Thing. Hey, it's something that we do, right? Didn't work. But I also wanted to get a, a rougher one because I wanted to look at the pages. Um, we were lucky enough to go to Comic-Con a few times. And there's the page. There it is. That's and, um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Lucky enough. To, I like both these. We were lucky enough to go. And, and I wanted to have this because uh, you'd see sometimes Bernie there. He was not well towards the end. And, and I would love to have gone to get it signed. And, and by the way, Nug, one day he was sitting there by himself and his wife was with him. And, you know, some people would come up and and then a lot of kids walked by, had no clue who. Rand, you got you missed you missed the historic splash page. You no, I'm going to talk about. I, I want to talk about it later. Oh, I'm going to build to it. it. Okay. So Isaac had a criticism for this one. By the way, I'm going to say this: if you see this for twenty, thirty bucks, I think it's a buy. I think Swamp Thing is a title, as you say, Nugget comes back in a lot of forms. And you know, DC Universe or um, what was it called? The was it DC Universe? The channel? I've mixed it up. I can't say what the channel was that they had. I've the streaming it. thing? Yeah, what yeah. was the streaming channel called? Well, it's gotten swallowed. It's I think it's uh, Part HBO Max. Of HBO now. Max, but when it came out and Un- they were was launching. It unlimited? DC. Ultimate? This unlimited? Is, this is terrible that I can't uh, uh, say. Uh, Univ- oh, DC Universe streaming service. Yeah, yeah, here it is. DC Universe, when they brought this back, I thought, this is exciting. This is really going to happen. And I loved it. I think James Wan's company. Um, they went after it properly. I enjoyed it. And I thought this is going to have a resurgence. And I thought that DC dark stuff, the magic world would come back. And it, and it kind of did. Not quite like I thought. But I think one is a buy. And if you get it in any format, it's nice to look inside. Let's jump to two. Now, by the way, there's another first. I think in one and two, you see a character. Is it is he called Arcane? Does anybody know? The yeah. Ant- Anton Arcane. Anton, Anton Arcane. Arcane. Who showed up in the cartoon. What? That's yeah. right. He was he the was main bad guy. <laughs> he's so awful. Oh, he's, he's the worst. Oh my God, for kids. Hey, here's a magic, immortal, demonic character who's a body swapper, just like the kids love. I think that they were definitely going with that, like, yeah, the, 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 it, it gave them a toy monster and toy monster bad guys that you could have a bunch of. So for me, number two feels like it's Frazetta influence. Don't you think, Isaac, when you see that cover? Yeah, well, we were just debating that. Um, we were talking about it kind of looking a similar to that weird science fantasy. It does. It has a similar layout the, to it. The layout feeling. But one of the things that the way Frazetta depicted his uh, Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal characters, when you see these unmen in here, they're so hideous. They remind me of those kind of troglodyte characters that Frazetta would do. And I will tell you, as a person who looked at this when it first came out as a child, these were scary to me. There's something. So, I mean, this this character and this title this and the, the bad guys, what what a like delicious treat it is, it is to to bite into this. Because like compare this to your costume heroes. I mean, it's, my God, it's so different. It's so great. It's like such it, like it's something about it's the opportunity that the the creatures and the characters provide you know sinewy viney things it's a great opportunity for really good anchors but it probably takes a long time to do <laughs> oh we're going to talk about where bernie went with his work you can feel you you said you had some criticism of it isaac did i i, I don't know if it was that one in particular no it wasn't this one in particular you said overall just the feel you got sometimes. uh it, it was well you know what it was it was coming to to bernie's work 
um, in this particular title. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't look at this title a lot before this. And I kind of came in it with, into it with the expectation that I have um, looking at Bernie when he goes well, to do Frankenstein, right? So, which we'll get, which we'll get to. We'll get but to. like when you when you come back to this, you go, oh, he's not he's not there yet. And also, this is a a periodical comic that's coming out very quickly, so you can't spend the time that mm-hmm. you could. But at the same time, he he's still there. It's still he's he's pumping a ton into those panels um, more than he probably had time for uh, at the time. This comic is going up. Number two is. Is uh, raw shooting comic. up these days. Yeah, fifty bucks raw comic. It's two hundred fifty dollars at the highest known grade of value. Uh, yeah, it, it is actually going up. We're up ten point eighty one percent current trend. Um, and by the way, it's so Frankensteinian. It this is particular yeah. episode issue. issue. You have an issue with that? I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, by the way, when you're going to go buy Swamp Thing, and Nug, I'm telling you to go buy Swamp Thing one to ten. All with, right. With all your. Uh, Voice acting, wrestling, show sure. money? Sure. Okay. It sounds real. Okay. Um, this number two is good to get because, and, and one to 10 we want to get, it's got a great cover. It's got the unman inside. It's got your Anton Arcane. But the one that I want to say that you need to buy is before this one, and I don't have it, and it's number seven. It's the one when Batman shows up. What? You, yes. Yeah, you got to get number seven. And I think... Think. Oh, there he is. He's on the cover. I think I have a panel to show. Let me just double check. Wow. That's actually a pretty cool cover. Except that Swamp Thing almost doesn't even look like He looks more like an ape from this. Maybe I'm just not looking at... I one. love that cover so much. It looks like a Batman cover, not only because Batman's on it, but because of where he is. But look at the colors. Again, you have yeah. this garish... That's like Basil Gogos, right? Like the feel of it Yellow, is... Yellow, swampy green. It's crazy pinky looking. Pinky purple in the, in the shadow areas, which is bizarre. Nick, can you Well, cut- and the yellow yellow in the back of Batman's cape. When yeah. was the last time we ever saw that? Yeah. That's a smart... That, can you put that up again? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. In the shadow area Oh, no. Isn't that awesome? I'm so stupid. I didn't It just even- makes Batman pop. It does, yeah. Because otherwise, for all, it almost doesn't make any sense because it should be just black under there. But the, if, if you did that, he would just disappear. So that is, it does. It makes him fly off the page. The shape of it gets accentuated the way that the yellow from the title down to the wall, down to Batman. It's really good. It's really great. Nick, can you, it's also by the classic monster movie, right? It's like King Kong on the Empire State. Can you pull up the ST7 Batman action page? I want to show you guys a page that I pulled out. So I know you guys are not Batman collectors, but I really love the way Bernie did Batman here. I like the feel of this Batman you know, and, you know, Rand, this actually brings up a good point in a lot of these key issues. Like, it's amazing to be able to see Bernie Wrightson do a Batman. Isn't that kind of part of why this is a key issue, right? Is to go, you collect the artist for... It would, it would be an early Batman that Bernie did. That's right. And I like that it's a little brighter. Like, you notice how it's a little more... Maybe, I don't know, is he trying to work to get a deadline so he's not going to do a whole lot of the background building stuff, you know? I just really like that panel. There, Sorry, that page. I like um, that panel where he's standing over the guys knocked out on the dock. He's yes. almost all in shadow, but you see the fists that did the work. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's a great page. Uh, we should probably buy, guys, we should chip in and buy that page, the uh, actual. Yeah, just, just the, yeah, just the. Just that we can split it. Yeah. Nug, uh, in the time that we were looking at seven, you said you had an unmen. You knew that I was creeped out by them. What the heck were you going to say? Well, the unmen had their own Vertigo series in 2007 <laughs> where they got out of Anton's clutches or lab or control. And they, uh, if I can read the description, where is it? Um, uh, Aberrance USA freaks are big business. On the board of directors sit the freakiest freaks of all, the unmen. And this new ongoing series... Oh. Uh, it's uh, masterfully mixing gritty noir, grindhouse horror, and gallows humor, which I think is the best combination of those things. Uh, there's wow. like a cop is trying to solve a murder of a sideshow attraction named Gilboy, but to find the Mm-mm. truth, he's got to go talk to the unmen. It's a horrible thing. And one of the main guys is the guy from that issue two that's just ahead with the hand. Stop it. That's the one that scares he, me he, the most. He's the guy in charge. Oh, that's nasty. That's a nasty character. So basically what you're saying is we've now got to start collecting unmen. 
Well, yeah, <laughs> sure. If you want to, I don't think it lasted very long. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny though to bring him to, in this specific issue to bring him uh, in with a main, you know, one of their A-list superheroes. It, it it's interesting because I I read something and I just brought it up right now on IGN. They rank uh, Swamp Thing number twelve in the top twenty-five DC hu- superheroes, and I I hmm. kind of find that funny to to classify him in this realm of superheroes, which is I get it. Him bringing him in as a monster in Batman, I get it, but. Um, you know, it kind of doesn't it go slightly against the whole thing about Swamp Thing. Is he a superhero? Do we call he him is. a superhero? He is a totally superhero. I want to say a, this: he's a plant vigilante. A, <laughs> a plant vigilante. A plant vigilante. I wanted to there say this: I've been looking for Swamp Thing Seven, and it says uncover price that you can get a raw comic for ninety nine cents. One sold on June twenty second for ninety nine cents, and it is dropping in value supposedly. But I can't right now find a good copy for cheap uh so, i can right now just click on the ebay button ten dollars right there look at the quality that's been the problem well it says good condition <laughs> if you pull uh there's a slabbed one 9.6 at 295 dollars on ebay right now i love that cover so much and i want that one i'm looking for seven i think it's probably still a find out there if you'd have better luck at your local comic shop, don't you think the prices would be cheaper for? Oh, them? eBay! I hate eBay. I I'll go on record and say that I'm not a big fan of buying things like this on eBay. I would never trust the prices. However, if you're looking for something in a pinch, eBay can be obviously like here I am commercial for eBay. Like you didn't know about it, uh, but you know what's cool though is I didn't I didn't notice. Isaac's never heard of I'm, eBay. Wow. What is this eBay? What is this internet we're we're using? Um, Pretty exciting. I don't think I noticed it until this this um, episode that they put an eBay button on cover price. Did you notice that? This is a new thing. It's a new I thing. It's, it's actually I think it's a new thing, and it's actually a good idea because you're like I want this right now. There it is. I think it was further down. They've oh, okay. they've done a little bit of yeah. tuning. Do you know cover price, Nug? I've, I've I've looked at a few of the things that I have to see if they're worth anything, and they're not yet. Not yet. <laughs> You've just described Story my collection. Lot. Yes. <laughs> but uh, how about that? How about that list of DC superheroes? Uh, Swamp Thing's what number twelve? You said where's Red Tornado on that? Uh, oh gosh, it would take me a few minutes to find. Uh, that. Let's think. In the first twenty, he's probably not there. I'm uh, going to say he's not there. Uh, I'm going to agree. I'm going into oh, Flash is number six. It's not there. I, I want to jump in and say I too like. I'm going to cough. <clears throat> I too liked Red Tornado as a kid for the same reason you did. The the C and D list characters were in like the local sweet shop. If you're going for candies and stuff, it's on the rack, the yeah, spinners. It's, uh, that's how you found out about them. Those big splash pages were like the middle of the cover was pushed in about an inch of whiteboard <laughs> and the heads of all the characters that were from all the weird teams. Like here's the JLA and the JSA and the All-Star Squadron. And that's how you found out who Robot Man was for the first mm-hmm. time. And for me, it was Metamorpho. Oh, very and, good. And Doom Patrol and yeah. So what do you, you think it's, who's number one? You take bets. Who's number uh, one? I'll add a coin flip, but I'm going to say Batman. All right. I, I think it has to be Superman. It's Superman. On IGN. I, I, I disagree with that as well. I'm not surprised Superman's number one. I don't think any of us agree that Superman should be number one, but that's mean because Superman was actually number one. He was the first. Yeah, I don't know. I think Conan's number one. Easy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like Batman better a lot. He's way more interesting. Mm, Super, I just like, Superman just does. Like if, super, if, if you can fly around the world and like change its direction, like, yeah. Okay. Oh, I can't believe you went for the movie. Yeah. Let's jump to Swamp <laughs> Jump to Swamp Thing 9. And you're going to say, that's not a key issue. Uh, but That's not a key issue there. I said it. I love that cover. Swamp Thing 9 is a beautiful cover. That cover has also been homaged before. I'm pretty sure this is a key issue for that cover alone. Mm-hmm. I, if you've heard of Swamp Thing and you've seen anything about Swamp Thing ever, mm-hmm. that you've seen that cover. Like... This is this is a comic that you can get in raw for under twenty dollars. That's right, and you can get a really high ender for like two forty. Uh, yeah, like the nine eight top of the end, top of the the, the pyramid. We're like three hundred fifty bucks for maybe maybe won't find too many nine eights out there. Probably not. But what I like about this one is it is one of the saddest, and Swan Thing is always sad. Can you cut to that? Uh, can you give us the inset, that beautiful alien? I'm actually going to go uh, go ahead and say you can get a 9.8 slab for $243 online right now. So this alien, I love this character. This character, I won't give a spoiler. It has a very, very sad few pages at the end of this. I don't know if you guys have read this one. 
it is really sad. And I love the way he created this character. It's I, so cool. Having trouble seeing it that close. Exactly. I'm, yeah. I'll look this up. Anyway. It's it's got detail in yes. the weirdest spots. Yes. You want more detail in the face. You want more detail in what his weapons are, but the details in the crinkles of the suit. Yeah. And the crazy boots. It's so sad how this ends. Like it's actually sad. What's the character's name? Alien. Random alien. We never find out. Random alien. Right. Did you read it too, Nug? Yes, I did. It's sad. It really... It's so it's it's sad. It's sad. It, it starts a little creepy, gets sad, and then Swamp Thing and the Alien have a nice moment, and then it becomes the saddest. I, I like I remember not liking Swamp Thing as a kid because of those feelings. It, it was just too was, heavy. It was so heavy. I but you He never yeah. saved the day. <laughs> Especially he never his stopped a bank robber or uh, thwarted a, a murder yeah. of any kind. But isn't he, he trying just... to save the environment, or is that just well? That's cartoon? yes, but mostly later, right? Mostly later, uh, early on, he was just trying to <laughs> tell his girlfriend he was alive, and he couldn't talk. It was so never so sad. And by the way, who among us did not feel that as a young kid that you couldn't tell the girl you loved that you loved her? Like we were all swamp things. We were all weird. We were all mutants in our yes. own way. And we were all other compared to everything else. You know, there's a story online that, that Len and Bernie were sitting in a car and Bernie had been dumped by a girl. And that was the start that Bernie was talking about his tragic, you know, terrible romance. And Len said, you know, I have a story about a character called the Swamp Thing that fits that. And Bernie said, I want to draw that story. And that feeling is exactly what the nascent character was designed to do. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Let's talk about 10 because 10 has a hit. Look at this guy on the bottom. Yeah. I don't like this scary well, guy. The purport. Oh my God. With the face. You, and his yes. Torso? Look. Oh my God. That is, that is disturbing. It's very disturbing. I want to say that guy's in the Unmen comic too. Stop it. For real? Oh, I how could you not? It. Oh no. I, listen, I am scared of Arcane. Arcane gives me the creeps. And in this comic, what you see is Bernie's love of underlighting. Look at this. Arcane is awful. Dude, that is, this is, this is scary for kids. It's scary for me now. <laughs> yeah. Like he's fighting a big, naked, fleshy, swamp thing looking guy. It's a very, there, that's the panel. It's a very and disturbing. And compare that to the superhero stickers on the next page that are being advertised. <laughs> You're so right. Just compare that artwork. Yeah, it's uh, it's reminiscent <laughs> of why I was scared of Swamp Thing as a child. And by the way, even the the haunted mansion does not fit. Nope, not scary enough. He was not a scary toy for the cartoon. This is Bernie's last Swamp Thing comic, and I guess he decided decided I'm going to make it so creepy that. Little kids in Clinton, Ontario are scared to buy it. That, the, the cover is so classic horror and that uh, mm -hmm. the proportions on the on Arcane, it's Arcane he's fighting in the front, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, just. Well, what I, what I found is it's, the, it's almost sexual the way they're intertwined. That, that to me is part of the creepiness of it. It's disturbing on so many levels. It's it freak is. show. It's he's dragging yeah. him to hell. It's a combination of that and like uh, um, hills have eyes. It's, it's yeah. The, you're so right. It's body horror. It is. It's body horror. Yeah. And it's uh, and it, Swamp Thing is usually the largest imposing so figure in weird. the comic, yeah. and Arcane is towering over him on that cover. You're so right. I never thought of that. That is so smart. That is part of why it's so creepy. Is the big he's fleshy almost, naked guys? He's work. almost humanized, like um, mm -hmm. Swamp Thing. In that, he, you almost lose his his Swamp Thinginess, if you will. Um, yeah, he he almost feels like yeah, he's being towered over and lesser. He's being dominated. No knock on the artists and creators who come after after ten for a long time. I'm not a Swamp Thing fan. I don't want to see Swamp Thing. There are some pretty gnarly Swamp Thing covers and, and the art is not great. And it became, frankly, a little corny. But we all agree things changed with Saga of Swamp Thing number 20. Number 20. There's an important key issue right there. You're going to say, why do you have the graphic novel, guys? Why don't you have the titles? Uh, well, you can only buy so many comics, right? Well, I've, just, right? I've just started going back Fair. and getting these. Yeah. 
personally. Did you, are you an Alan Moore guy? Nug? Yeah, uh, I love I love the Watchmen stuff, but this Swamp Thing stuff, this gave birth to Vertigo, and I was a big Vertigo guy. It was the success with this that made DC go, hey, I think there's some potential uh, of a new imprint, and this was the thing that made them go to England and find guys like Neil Gaiman and Grant Morrison. Yeah. These, um, these era comics, influenced by some of the 2000 AD stuff, you have a kind of a group of people coming over. But we do have to note at this time, this is say 10, 12 years after Bernie's run on Swamp Thing. Bernie's art, just before we talk about Alan Moore, took a giant leap. Nick, can we pull up that Frankenstein cover? This famous wraparound cover sold at auction a few years ago for 1.2 million. Bernie got a hold of Frankenstein and everything that he had done in Swamp Thing I don't, he refined it to a level that I don't even know if you'll ever see a comic page or double page cover spread that's anything like this ever again. I can't imagine the detail and how long it took. Oh, to even just understand where the lighting is, is interplaying on shocking. every surface and texture in that frame. Insane. Guillermo del Toro there's is so, go ahead. Sorry, now go ahead. There's so much. There's just so much going oh, on. It's crazy. It's hard. It's yeah, it, yeah. But on the screen that I'm looking at it on, it's yeah. You needed to cut it a lot bigger and better print than this. Just I want a jeweler's loop or a magnifying glass yes. to get right in and check it out because you know there's stuff we're not seeing. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, and it, what I love about it too is it's an, it is the type of piece art piece where. Everything's imagined. It's really hard to reference this. So but it's imagined in such a way that it needs to make some semblance of sense. So if you got in, like you say, Nug, and you, and you really picked it apart and went, wow, no, this little vial is pumping into this little vial. And that, man, it's, just, it's not only just rendering, it's thinking, oh, it's, it's design, crazy. it's layout, it's art direction. By the way, crazy. I taught high school for years. I was a high school English teacher and I taught Frankenstein for years. And this is the scene where the monster comes to Victor and says, make me a wife. I need a companion. So he's scary and he's angry and he's violent, but he's lonely and he's hurting. And his creator repudiated him. And I remember teaching that book. And it's a tough read for a lot of kids. And you could show some of Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein and the kids would be like, oh, dang. <laughs> like, I get it. Getting it. And, and she's laying there. Like, it's just absolutely chilling. Wow, look at that. There's a push in on that. And of course, like, it's all about the, the emotion right here between these two, well, men, I guess. Yeah. This new man. And Dang. Uh, just amazing. So to me, the art of this and the craft of this dovetails nicely with Alan Moore's craft and art, wouldn't you say? You have it a, does a comic. It, it, it's it lends itself to the darkness and to the to the creepiness of the old comic, but it bridges nicely into where Alan Moore goes with it. And I have to say, if you haven't picked up from Swamp, Saga of Swamp Thing 20 as an introduction to Alan Moore's writing, it's amazing. But the art, it becomes Stephen Bissett and John Totalbin, and it is spectacular. I don't think uh, Bissett did the first one there, though. If you, if you flip over- He didn't do 20? No, pull up, pull up 20 there. 20 was uh, Dan Day. Yeah. And that, 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 it's got some really good stuff in that number 20. It's, uh, it's beautiful. I mean, I love some of those, some of those pages where you have this like weird wraparound stuff. Um, but I think it's Total Ben's inking. Yeah. Look at that. Like, look yeah. at that. Like, look the way that the, the mirror, the mirror framing on, mm -hmm. on, there's a couple of pages like that that are phenomenal. Yes. And you're right. It's the inking because you get into the, we were talking about this before we went to, uh, to record this. You get into that, oh, go back one page. Mm -hmm. The top panel on that page mm -hmm. specifically. Exactly. Where you look at that, the Split black areas, and then you look at this weird hatching that he's bringing into or line work into the, the, the shadow spaces. It's phenomenal. Like it's actually, I, the, the cover of this book doesn't do the art, the interior no. art justice at all. We'll talk about Total Bin when we talk about that cover. But what I love about 20, you can get it for cheap. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's raw value is like $37.99. Uh, it's down point. Two zero. It's not down that much, but um, trending down. But I mean, like even it's, it's top rated at nine point eight back in twenty eighteen is one hundred and fifty bucks. So this is a, a great key issue 
um, to grab up for sure at uh, almost any rating. Alan Moore influenced every writer who came after. Nug said Grant Morrison, uh, Neil Gaiman. You could say Damon Lindelof, right? Everybody saw The Watchmen on HBO. Um, you know, people don't like Zack Snyder maybe, but Zack Snyder took a crack at trying to grapple with some of Alan Moore. Alan Moore, a notoriously uh, intellectual, literary, magical character, maybe didn't love comics, didn't love the business, but brought the occult in and brought environmentalism in. Would you, I mean, he created Constantine. Would you say that he really put the dark magic in DC or would you, do you think there was enough before, Nug? It was always there before, but Moore brought it back. I think people were afraid to touch it or didn't know what to do with it. And Moore somehow grabbed all the good stuff and knew exactly what to do with it. And he he revived this part of D.C. that's clearly part of their past with the House of Mystery, House of mm -hmm. Secrets, mm -hmm. all the houses. And now they're all back and all part of this weird side imprint with a bunch of characters like Morrison did it with Doom Patrol, like yeah, and the yeah. and Gaiman and like Gaiman brings in Cain and Abel who mm -hmm. are part of the House of Mystery and House of Secrets. Like it's all part of the past, but it's just parts that people haven't looked at for so long. And you look at characters like Dead Man, Dr. Fate, Zatanna, there's a magic or, or a crazy sort of goofy way of magic. Like even uh, Captain Marvel, like Shazam is a crazy kind of magic darkness, but when Moore gets it, it's like, it's real. <laughs> you know what I mean? This, oh, this is real magic somehow. It yeah, for anybody who thinks it's crazy or weird, Moore starts making it make total sense mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem weird at all. What I love is, yes, there's an environmental message, but he takes and sort of flips the Gaia, Lovelock's Gaia, that the earth is a living mechanism of its own a living creature of its own and he comes up with the green i don't know if you know much about the green but you mentioned that he was sort of like a plant vigilante a vigilante that's literally what moore does moore deconstructs the character and says no 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 it's not alec it's not holland yep. that's just an extrusion yeah it's always been there yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, there well, have been it, swamp things before. I yeah, which that. which I think is so so cleverly allows the the um, House of Secrets to exist in the whole timeline, right? Isn't that isn't that kind of what he's doing here? Well, yeah. What what happened was they were trying to go back to House of Secrets and say that that story, that twelve or nine page story, is one of the swamp things. That's the extrusion of the plant character that the plant is is in a sense or the plant energy is looking for a way to sort itself into a human form and, and then it, it just, pulls the consciousness of Alex that's right. in, in, by by him up. dying in the swamp right and 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 absorbs it and i mean talk about when you say when when nug was talking about bringing the houses all back look at the issue 21 uh that cover is totally hearkening back to our our uh, our uh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And you have to buy 21 because that's the origin story. Of this, of, of Alan Moore's mm -hmm. line, right? Yeah. And, and it's totally, that, even the yellow, I mean, it's bringing back that, that House of Secrets, uh, old horror vibe. Um, and, and again, so no, I'm just pressing the wrong button here, everybody. And by the way, I was looking for both of these. And they're going for like 40 bucks raw yeah. right now. Say it, there it is. That's now my button work. Uh, yeah. So 40 bucks raw uh highest known value 100 under 100 dollars so that's pretty uh that's pretty great i mean good good gets on this and one. then if you're going to get serious and you're going to get granular here you have to get 25 because there's a tease to constantine in 25 oh so would this be like a a first appearance of constantine well, is that what you're suggesting nug where do you stand on the not actual first appearance but the tease first appearance it's the teased first appearance, so it's not – it's the first mention, I guess, let's mm -hmm. say. He was hinted at in that issue, but Constantine did not show up. Are you one of these guys that you wouldn't – I don't know if you know Wolverine and Hulk 180, 181. Are you one of these guys that would say, I don't want 180, I only want 181? You know, I don't want the last panel reveal and then nothing else, or do you? would you say – If you're a, if you're the Wolverine guy, you go for that last panel reveal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you have to have both. I want to draw special attention. I don't know if you follow Mark Asquith on Facebook. I know you do. Yeah. Did he not post this cover recently as one of his favorite covers of all time? Yes. 
Not too, not too long ago. Was it 34? 34. 34. Can you pull up 34? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a great cover. It's, it's awesome. It's, that's a total Ben painting. It is so beautiful. And to me, this encapsulates when I was old enough. I'm 19 when this came out. I'm old enough to appreciate not just the art, which made me feel a bit Barry Windsor Smith, uh, but I loved this is the sadness of Swamp Thing. This is, to me, so touching, so gorgeous. Like, it's just beautiful. And he's so hideous. I was, um, I wasn't one yet. Why do you have to say things? <laughs> what year were what you I like, born? I think this is also one of the first times Swamp Thing has flowers born. growing out of him. He's been all green and weedy. Mm -hmm. And in that particular cover, he's got brightly colored flowers popping out of him, almost beautiful. like he's doing it on purpose. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and the monarch butterflies, the transformational little figure, the symbol. I think this is spectacular. I'm not a frog guy. I'm scared of frogs and toads, so I don't look at that part. But there's something about even the nose hood, the nacelles or whatever you want to say. There's, I don't want to get rude, but it's more biological, more sexual, isn't it? In a way here, it's very, I don't know. You're seeing things that we maybe shouldn't see. You're spying on a moment that's too powerful to look at. I get why Mark Asquith loves it. Mark Asquith, by the way, uh, was the general manager at the Silver Snail in Toronto for many years. And then he was at Space TV. He's he did Prisoners of Gravity. He's, well, how would you describe him? He's sort of a tastemaker in pop culture in Canada. Yeah, he's a, a super nerd and uh, <laughs> he's very knowledgeable about all these things. Uh, that that cover also, Swamp Thing has a smile on his face for the first time, I think, on any cover. <laughs> You're right. I never thought about it that way. Holy cow. Yeah. It's a bit of a side eye too. Wow. Yeah. So the one everybody knows is, oh, by the way, should we talk about 34 of the price, Isaac? Yeah, it's it's, it's cheap. It's 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's 20 bucks. And if you want to go get a slab-worthy one, I don't know if they're selling slabbed. I've never seen it slabbed. Well, let me just pull it up on the eBay button, everybody. New feature. Yeah. Slab 9.6 on, on eBay right now is going for $80. That's a good use of $80 if you put it up in your, say you had a train station or something. Yeah, if you had if you had one, of those. Uh, a good use of eighty bucks. I don't know if anyone's saying right now during the COVID times a good use of eighty bucks is probably to get groceries, groceries, food, maybe water, yeah, things. Let's jump to toilet paper. Uh, no, we still can't buy it. Oh, right, yeah. no. we're using the red tornado comic. Hey, now that's not funny. That's not funny, guys. I would no, never. No, we're Canadian. We right. use uh, right. we use birch bark, just like our ancestors mm -hmm. did. Plentiful. And beaver pelts. I want to uh, talk about the last one of our Swamp Thangs is 37. It's the one that everybody knew jumped. Did it not jump uh, when the DC Dark stuff happened, Nug? Is that when this took I the think, big leap? I think that's when they said they were bringing it back as part of the DC Dark stuff. And I think that's when everybody went, ooh, and they went out and grabbed it. And then it had a drop after that because... Yes, it did. Constantine didn't do well. Uh, the movie didn't kind of work. And maybe the show didn't kind of work. So it's had a spike and a drop. This might be the time to pick it up. It's... Uh, the 9.8 is still $775, according to this uh, grading. At, um, sorry, this uh, value was taken at October 9th, 2018. So well, look at the I, sales yeah, averages. Yeah, sales averages is down 29%. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's it is going down. But yeah, it's uh, seven point five is still about a hundred bucks according to this. Um, so yeah, no. Uh, well, here the current trend is up uh, plus five point zero five. Hmm. So maybe maybe Constantine's going to have a cult uh, a cult following or something. It's uh, <laughs> it's a comic that I remember when it came out, and I remember not liking the magicy stuff. I probably picked it up because it was yellow and it had that kind of nuclear you know i don't know how do you do you sometimes do this nug where you buy a comic based on the cover not really something you're into just because it's so poppy or so blasty do you know what i'm getting at if if it hits me in a different way if it's a cover like i've never seen before when i was collecting as a kid and i would walk into the candy store and they had all these weird comic one-offs mm -hmm. there's like superman punching a bad guy there's batman swinging on a rope and then there's issue 300 of the Legion of Superheroes where they're getting together for a class photo. And I'm like, that's the one I want because look at all those weird people on that cover. Why are they taking a class photo? This is issue 300. How does 300 of these come out? And I've never heard of this before. There was a whole bunch of things happening at the same time. It's funny that you mentioned that 
I like the gimmicks as well. And I remember the, do you remember what the, was it the Captain Marvel 2 that had a picture of him holding the comic with him holding the comic with him holding, you know, the recursive, yeah, you know what I'm yep, talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I remember those as a kid and thinking, what? It's such a strange How they do idea. That. Yeah. It's such a strange idea. Yeah. I was a sucker for that. And I, but by the way, I didn't ever buy that. Regrets. You should have. I have regrets. So, Nug, we've gone a long time. I feel bad holding you. Um, I've just closed some of my cover price. Allow me to please, if we do some other DC stuff, can we call upon you again? A hundred percent. I'm more than happy to talk about uh, all of these DC characters that uh, maybe aren't on the top of everyone's list. Are you a current collector or have you given up? No, I, I still collect and I'm trying, uh, I, since I am such a DC guy, I do follow along with uh, what DC is doing. I'm reading their current big event and mm -hmm. grabbing issues here and there of other things. But whenever there's a big Marvel event, I always think maybe this is the one. <laughs> and then I always start the new event and probably about four issues in I go, Mah, no, it's not. But uh, I'm working on the new the two events right now for both mm -hmm. DC and Marvel. Uh, I have uh, several DC character board games and some card games. And there's a great Marvel card game. If you're into Marvel, the Fantasy Flight Games put out a game called Marvel Champions. And it's deck building, but you get to play together. So you all grab your favorite oh, wow. hero, put your decks together and play. And it's so much fun. It's so hard could uh, to actually beat the villain. Could you shoot me a link to that? I'd like to look at that. That oh, sounds 100%. awesome. 100%. And they put out, the, the main box comes with five heroes and three villains to beat. And then they put out an expansion that's just a new deck of a new hero. And you don't have to buy anything else and just jam that deck into the box. Oh, that's it's fantastic. That sounds so much fun. I was a sucker for, uh, I'm D&D &D started, uh, this is the D&D &D, uh, Cub Scouts honor. Uh, what? What would it be? I was a paladin. Uh, Paladin's of Honor. I started in 79. And when the DC and Marvel gaming stuff, you know how they started to try and expand into that world? Mm -hmm. I just loved that idea. I wanted there to be more games with the heroes. I love that. Yeah, it's really fun. So um, the, the first box has Iron Man, She-Hulk, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and uh, Spider-Man. And then you can get... Uh, Doctor hmm. Strange and Hulk are about to come out. Uh, uh -huh. Thor, Captain America, Ms. Marvel. Uh, wow. There's, uh, I think, a, a Black Widow just came out. So there's a lot of really fun. You just grab a deck and go. Like, that's the cool thing about it is you can actually just pick a deck off the rack and add it to the game. Listen, I went through the Magic Wars. I know what it's like to try and bank your way up to a decent deck. I like what you're saying. Don't it's all self-contained. You don't have to compete with anybody but the villain. You and your and you can scale it up. So it's oh, easy great. for one person, but it's great for two or for three or for four. So I think in ending, we should let people know that you're a huge gamer. You love and have played everything, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I, all sorts of board games. I go to a regular used to go to a regular night on Tuesdays. We're doing it over Zoom now, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we are. Uh, yeah, we play a lot, and uh, there's a ton of great board games out there. A lot of people, when they're like, "Oh, what do you play?" Settlers of Catan, and the honest answer for our whole group is like, "That's a nice gateway game into the other things that we play." It really is the marijuana of games, isn't it? it yeah, once you get it, you're like, "Well, that was a very odd experience. It's not like any game I've played before." And then somebody in your circle of gamer friends goes. Come this way. I'll show you something else. I've always, that's one of the things I'm a, a social media creeper. I look at your game stuff. I probably should comment, but I don't because I'm scared of social media right now. I do want to also say before we let you go, you should tell people about your wrestling life. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I speak on Sportsnet uh, once a week uh, talking about all things WWE, uh, kind of a week in review, and I give my wins and fails with some other people. Uh, also, I work a lot in the Ontario indie wrestling scene. I'm a manager uh, at Barry Wrestling, uh, and I am the general manager or the guy who makes the rules for Greektown Wrestling on the Danforth in Toronto. And uh, Midwestern Wrestling, based out of Listowel, I'm supposed to go to their next show whenever that one happens. You guys should come to that one. Listen, I was never into wrestling, but it does dovetail neatly with comics. There's a definite, like in the pop culture worlds, there's something about the heels and the faces and the bad guys and the good guys, right? It's brightly colored people in costumes fighting each other, but for real instead of in a comic book. Sounds exciting and a little scary. So listen. It's a lot of fun. 
I I'm hearing a sound. It must be time for us to. What is that? We can't cut that in. We can't cut that in. Yes, we can. It's a review show. That can't be real. <laughs> it's the opening theme song of the show. Okay, stop. We have to actually do that right. <laughs> is that real? That's the opening theme song of the show. <laughs> I was going to fade it in during the ending. That's no. the USA show, wasn't it? No, that's the, car- that's, the, that's the opening of the cartoon of the show. Okay, it's right, the kids' cartoon. The kids' cartoon, that's a swamp thing. Don't make me talk about Adrian Barbeau, guys. Don't make me do that. <laughs> that is so crazy. From mod to swamp thing. Uh, listen, this is a, a very chaotic and exciting ending. <laughs> Let's cut back to Nug there. Let's get Nug in on the three on the three shot. <laughs> Nug, thanks for coming out. Uh, we appreciate oh, thanks it. Thanks for having me. We're going to get you back again. I'll, I'll cue you one. next time we need a DC translator. I do collect DC, but I don't know as much about it as I need to. So it's nice to have someone else here to talk to. Thank you so much to CoverPrice, C-O-V-R-P-R-I-C-E.com, where we check all our key issues and see what we need to get next. Not just always keys, we're deciding. Sometimes we go off the beaten path and pick up something that's a little bit over here and a little cheaper and it has a story and a reason why you should pick it up. Isaac, what do you want to say? Thank you, everybody. It was awesome to talk about Swamp Thing. All right. See you next time. Bye.